Buenos tardes. I'm going to start with an announcement just for uh, what we are going to do with youth. If you haven't gotten the email, you haven't gotten the newsletter, uh, starting next Sunday morning for the church service, we'll still have the live stream and then we'll have people that can come in the CLC and watch that as it's going. Uh, but for youth, we're also going to start next Sunday, the 16th. Uh, it'll be from 5 to 6 and uh, it'll be different, mass will be required. We will continue the live stream, and then we're going to go every other week for the first, the little while, uh, we'll see how long that goes. But mass will be required, and then the important part, as I said, was it will still be live stream. So if you're watching this and you're not ready to come back, you're not comfortable with that, we will keep doing this as long as we're doing this. So it'll be live streamed even on weeks where we don't have youth. So there you go. Now I am going to start this week's series, this week's uh, episode of the series, I guess, for lack of a better term. This is the mood series, where I'm going to talk about different things that we feel, different things that we go through, different things that, that bother us, all kinds of things. And last year, we, or last week, we started with anger, and how it's, it's basically the monster within, how we get so upset, we get so mad, and we hold on to it, and we hold grudges, and we allow it to cause us to, to hate other people even, and how Jesus said, hey, don't do that, which sounds very common sense, but it's something that a lot of people struggle with. This week, we're going to go on to something else that people struggle with, but is almost on the different end of the spectrum from anger, and that's doubt. And so I want to talk about that. Uh, I want to start by reading scripture. This is from 2 Peter 1, 12 through 21. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I am gone. Uh, Peter is, it, it's very fitting that he is saying this. Uh, we've talked about Peter a lot. You've heard about Peter a lot. He is one of the top disciples in terms of him. James and John were kind of the, the upper echelon, not in terms of value, but in terms of leading uh, when, and the, Peter was called the rock of the church, and he was going to continue leading after Jesus ascended. And so we've seen Peter through his ups and downs, through his times of trouble and his times of triumph, through doubting, through uh, denying, through all of these different things. And then finally he got it. Like after he saw Jesus on the cross, after Jesus forgave him, he got it and he preached so boldly. But he would often talk about things like this, where he's like, I'm going to remind you. Uh, a lot of times in, in our faith, when someone has doubts, we don't say things like that. We say, well, you shouldn't doubt. Oh, well, don't you know this is how it is? But it's very natural to have doubts. And like I said, Peter knows where this is coming from. So when he says, I'm here to remind you, he knows that sometimes we need a reminder. He knows that we know these things. Uh, if you've been in the church, if you've grown up in the church, if you've been to youth, you've been anywhere uh, like this, then you've heard the stories or you've seen examples in your own life. Hopefully you've felt God's presence. And yet there are always times that we kind of forget or we kind of let it go. Often it's in times of tragedy. Often it's in times of hurt, of heartache. But it, it can also just be times where we uh, stop thinking about it and we want control of our own lives. We want control and we, we hold on to that very tightly. Because even among Christians, we have this desire to be right, this desire for control, this desire to have things. And when things go differently, uh, whether it's good or bad, sometimes that's hard for us to deal with and that can lead to doubts. And as I said, a lot of times and growing up for me, especially like in, in an old uh, Christian home, an old Nazarene home, like if you talked about having doubts, then you were basically not shunned, but like, dude, you can't say stuff like that. And yet it's by talking about them 
that we are reminded, that we're able to share those doubts and that we find, oh, well, we all go through this and we just look at it because there are basically different responses you can have to doubt. Uh, we saw back a couple weeks ago when I talked about the Israelites, when they started to doubt, when they started to get impatient, uh, they turned away from God. In their time of doubt, instead of saying, hey, Aaron, you know, tell me again, like remind us what, what God did. Remind us of the scripture. Pray with us. Uh, help us. Like these are the things that we're doubting. These are the things that we're questioning. Can you help us with this? Can you talk to us about this? Instead of saying that, they said, yeah, we're done. We're going to worship this golden calf. And, and, you know, Moses came down and he reminded them of all of the things that God had done. And obviously not all of them survived that, but he would remind them. And we saw throughout Israel's history, like all these times that they would have amazing miracles and then they'd turn away. And we look at that and we're like, well, that's stupid. Like, how could they do that? And yet in our own lives, we kind of do that. We'll have times where it's so obvious God's love for us and God's presence in our lives. And we feel it so much. Uh, you'll hear things like uh, at, at church camp or in a revival service or a really good service or a worship thing. Uh, and, and you'll feel him so closely. And then you'll go through something else and, and you kind of start to doubt because it's different, even though you remember that. And so it's good to remind ourselves um, as I said, a lot of times it happened in tragedy. I found out something uh, just today. Actually, somebody that I've known, I had known for a long time, uh, a youth pastor back when I was in Seymour. He was in a, a city close to that. And I believe now he was in Oklahoma or Kansas or something like that. Uh, that's not important to the story, but I, I just read all of these things this morning while I was waiting for uh, a church to start. And, and, and basically, he had been on a youth trip with, uh, I believe, 13, 14 teens and some adults and they were standing in the river and what they were standing on gave away and so like all of these younger kids are, are drowning basically and so him and another man uh, rescued all of them but two and then with the two he stayed in a little longer and he was able to get one of them and him and the other one uh, tragically were not able to make it um, and, and so as I said I just found that out today um, I know where he was spiritually I know that he dedicated his life to this. I cannot imagine what it would be like to be the parents of the 11-year-old, to, to feel that, because that's the beginning of life, and there's so much more. And, and that's a major tragedy. And in those types of tragedies, often people look at it and they say, man, I'm so glad that God used him to save these people. I'm so glad that God was able to work through his life. I'm so glad that this is here, and I'm so sorry for what happened in the tragedy. But then a lot of times, we look at something like that and we say, how could, how could a good God, how could a God that exists let things like this happen? He was a good man and that was a little kid. And we look at things like that or natural disasters or long periods of quarantine or anything like that. And we're like, how can God allow this to happen? And I can get theological and I can talk about free will and how the world is corrupt and how because we have choice, then everybody has a choice and things like this happen. And it's tragic. And, and if God were to just take care of absolutely every little thing for us, then we wouldn't have free will and we wouldn't be able to choose him. And I can go into that. But what it comes down to is it's hard for us to deal with tragedy like that. And that's where doubt will often come in. And, you know, we can go smaller than that, obviously, too. Like if you fail a test or you lose a job or you get broken up with or something awful happens, uh, which for some people is minor. And for, for when it happens to you, it feels major and it is. And so you start to doubt. And like I said, there are different ways to respond to doubt. Uh, you can hide it and be like, I can't talk about this because people will say I'm not a good enough Christian. And the doubt will build and build and build. And eventually, 
Hopefully somebody will talk to you and, and they'll say it or pray with you and you won't even realize that they're helping. But sometimes that is when we find uh, someone else who makes a strong case against what we believe. And it's like, well, I had doubts anyway, and so this makes sense. And people turn away. Uh, there's a lot of stats and research about teens that after high school start to turn away. And part of that is some churches uh, don't have college programs. Part of it is sometimes they uh, go to college and they just kind of sleep and study and do whatever and they don't really take time for church and then it goes away. Uh, part of it is we just kind of put it off or we lose control or we have doubts. But the point is, doubt is not a dirty word. Uh, and like I said, you can just ignore it and hide from it and let it build. Sometimes, and the negative way to handle it, is you can say, man, I have doubts. I'm going to go to the person I know that I know is anti-Christian and will love to hear this. And so they can tell me why I shouldn't be a Christian or something like that. But in our doubt, that is the best time to truly figure out what we believe and why we believe it. And you, you can talk to your parents. You can talk to me. You can talk to pastors. Uh, you can talk to friends that are Christians that will understand, uh, that won't shame you and say, oh, you shouldn't think that way, but will remind you like Peter did when one of the other disciples or one of the people in his congregation would come to him because he'd gone through the things that he'd gone through. I am sure that he wasn't like, get out of here. You can't doubt and be in this church. He said, okay, good. Because we're going to talk through this and you're going to be stronger. You're actually going to gain from this. Because when we have doubt, that's when we have a chance to learn. Uh, there is a phrase that is often used and usually, basically always, it's used negatively because it is negative and that's blind faith. You see, you can only live on your parents' faith or on someone else's faith for so long. And we could talk about the age of reason and all of that. But if you only go to church because you're told to, or because someone makes you, then that's only going to carry you so far. Eventually, you're going to have a choice. I remember when I was uh, growing up with my great-grandparents, uh, they had me in church every single time the church doors was open, uh, were open, and I liked it, I loved it, but I, I, when I got to be age 16, it was my turn to make the decision, because I had to be like, okay, do I want to keep doing this? Or do I want to go drive around, be with my friends, hang out, do all of these different things? Now, in my day, uh, there weren't as many different things to do. Like, schools didn't have practices and different kinds of things like that. But, you know, there was still, I could hang out, I could play video games, I could do things like that. I could ride on dinosaurs and hunt mammoths, like all kinds of things. But I made the choice. And I continued to go, and obviously I continued to go. Uh, when I went through college, there was a period where I didn't go. I didn't turn away from it. But I, I would sleep because it was early on Sunday mornings and because it was college and I, I just I didn't know people and all of these things and antisocial and all of these things happened. But it, I kept praying and I kept living with him and I kept when I had doubts, I would talk to him about it. I would talk to someone else and I am by no means perfect. I'm not at all. But in those doubts, I would try to find answers. Now, there is literally no one alive on this planet that can tell you literally everything, and I used literally a bunch there, but the, nobody is going to be able to give you every single answer. We just don't have them. That's where faith comes in. You have to feel it, and you have to choose to believe it. You have to love, and, and you'll get evidence and things like that, but it's something that you have to find, and that's why blind faith is so bad, because if you just go with that, then you kind of end up following a person instead of the faith. You kind of end up following a, a, a cult leader or somebody along those lines. Um, like you, you think of things like uh, the, the Hale-Bopp Comet cult, Jim Jones, that one, where like this guy was so dynamic and everybody else was just aching for something to believe 
they had forgotten God's place in their life or they hadn't been told or they hadn't found it. And so they were looking and he gave them what they wanted and they all killed themselves so they could get on a comet. And again, that sounds ridiculous, but when you're seeking, anything will, will latch on. And that's why it's so important to not just let doubt go. That's why it's so important not to just say, well, everybody does it or I'm bad for having them. It's to talk about it, to read the scripture. And you ask me, well, if you're having doubts, why would you read the scripture? You would be amazed what is covered in the Bible if you've never really read it. If you go through a Bible plan or you look at things like Proverbs or Psalms and you'll find a connection to God. And then what Peter said, and I realize I'm still on the first paragraph, what Peter said here is, remember, we know and we know this stuff. We had Sunday school. We grew up saying the songs and doing the flannel graph, so that's probably too old, doing all of these different things. And we grew up with that. We've had evidence. We've had experience. But we forget or we lose it for a while. And so Peter's like, remember, and he tells you, and it's important to have someone in your life that will help you remember. And that's something that's good because in our doubt, we feel lost. We feel broken. We've lost control of something and we don't know what to do. I want to go on to the next part. Uh, for we, we, are not, we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Uh, you're not going to be able to find someone like Peter who literally, again, who experienced this directly, like who was there with Jesus. But you will absolutely be able to find people in this church and other churches, if you don't go here, who have had a personal experience with Jesus, someone who has been healed or someone who has gone through something un uncommonly tragic that only God could have helped them through or who has seen evidence in a different way. And what Peter is saying here is, hey, listen to me because I was there. But he's also saying to us, hey, share your stories. When you have doubts, when you feel that, Share your stories, your stories with other people. And you'll find that in talking about your own life that you'll see evidence of things that you didn't realize before. I've told this story before, and I will again probably. But when I went through my, my darkest depression, I never once during that period of time thought, I'm so glad this is happening. You know, someday I'm going to be able to talk about this, and I'm going to be able to make a difference, and I'm going to be able to help. I never thought that. I thought, life sucks. That's all that I thought, basically. Or I suck. I had doubt in myself. I had doubt all over the place. But now that I've had time and I've talked about it and I've prayed about it and I've worked with other people on their own experiences of depression, I'm able to look back and be like, oh, wow. Going through that time, I was able to learn so much and I was able to make choices and to, to really seek him and to really feel him. And so I remember my dark times. I remember my light times. I remember times of other people I've known who have gone through times like that and who have found him. Uh, I remember amazing stories. Like I've talked about my sister and I remember just how she's continued to grow in her faith and continued to, to build a family and her husband and, and their kids and how they kind of come together under God. And it's so cool. Uh, my, my, I, I've seen in my parents and my great-grandparents and my friends and, and people who, who I love in my life. I've seen this. And yet, even in all of that, there are times that I need to be reminded. And that's what Peter is doing. He's like, hey, I didn't just make up this story. I'm telling you to help you. And he says it in a loving way. He doesn't say, yeah, I shouldn't have to tell you this. We like to do that sometimes if it's something we understand. 
uh, when my mom will come to visit and she, I'm playing a video game or whatever because she's cooking and I really love chicken and dumplings, so hey, come back as soon as you can. But um, it, it, when she's coming to visit and she'll come in and kind of uh, watch me play games or something and she'll ask all of these questions, which to me are dumb, no offense to her, but they're dumb because I understand it all. Because I know how the game works and it's kind of like every other game and whatever. And so, you know, I'll answer and then she'll ask the same question again or ask a different question that's similar. I'm like, come on. But we do that with things that we know well and, you know, we all have something that is super close to our heart and so when we talk about it, we're passionate, but then we're also like, how do you not get this? How do you not understand the importance of Spider-Man? Like, how do you not understand that, that he had such a sense of responsibility and he didn't dress like a bat and break people's bones? Like, he actually tried to help people and did all these amazing things. And, and like, we get passionate about things like that. And so sometimes in our faith, People will do that too. And they believe it so strongly and they feel it so evidently that when someone comes to us and asks us a question, we're like, that's so stupid. Of course, the, the resurrection is in the New Testament. Like, how could you ask that? Jesus is the New Testament. Or of course, the Bible, Genesis started in the Bible. Like, of course. And, and we, we almost make people feel stupid for asking questions. And then that, in turn, makes us feel scared to ask questions. I'm going to be honest. Even just giving this message there is a deep part of me who grew up in a, in a conservative, very conservative church and who has gone through life with people shaming people in different areas uh, where I feel a little bit of fear talking about this because I know that there are people, uh, often older but not always, who, who will think, he's talking about doubt. You should just say never have doubt. But guess what happens if you say never have doubts? Then as soon as someone has doubts, they're like, well, I'm not really a Christian. But that's not true because Peter who is talking about this, had doubts. He was with Jesus literally every day. Man, he was with Jesus all of the time. And yet he still had a moment of doubt when Jesus was on the cross. Now, he didn't run away from it. Jesus came to him and he answered him and he accepted him. But that could have changed his life in a really bad way. When he was walking on the water, he fell because he doubted, even though he was succeeding. And so he knew what it was like, and he knew that it wasn't a shame as long as you kept working, as long as you kept seeking. And here he's saying, hey, listen to the stories. Listen to people who have examples. Don't just try to look at your own life, but do. But also listen, because someone may have gone through something similar, and when you're listening to them, you're like, oh man, Pastor Tim or Pastor Julie or, or whoever else is talking, Sean, somebody is telling a story, and you're like, wow, I never thought of it like that. Like, I can't believe this. You may hear or feel something, and then that gives you the answer, because God works in amazing ways. God will even work through things that you don't understand, like maybe you're, you're, you're praying, and then the next thing you hear is a song that's not even a Christian song, but in the words, you're like, oh man, I cannot believe that the, the chipmunks really hit on something that I was really struggling with. They're an amazing group. They don't get enough pub. But, but you'll be amazed and how God reaches out to you when you seek Him. But it takes that choice to seek Him. There is nothing wrong with having a doubt. But when you hide it or when you refuse to look at it, when you stubbornly say, yeah, I don't care. I'll figure it out later. Don't put it off. Don't be afraid. I guarantee there are people in your life that will listen, that will help, will pray with you. And then be open to God's leading in your life uh, by listening to their example, by reading the Bible stories, by, by just being around people of faith who can, can just honestly share with you their life. Not push you, not stress you out, not try to hurt you, not try to shame you, but honestly just say, hey, I know what that's like. 
uh, last part of the scripture. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. That's such an important point because often we turn our heroes into uh, unreachable goals in many ways. Uh, Michael Jordan is undoubtedly the greatest basketball player ever, and anyone who says but LeBron has no idea of what it means to be an athlete. He's good. He's very good. He's almost even great. Maybe he is, but 6-0 and in the finals, and just the, the desire to win, and I'm not going to get into that, although I just did, and that's over. But you look at him, and like, uh, I'm going to steal a story from Terry, who doesn't even know that this is his story. When he was growing up, like he wanted to try out for basketball so bad, and he would see Michael Jordan play, although the ages don't quite work out, but we're going to keep going with this. Uh, and, and he would see Michael Jordan play and be like, man, I'm pretty good, but I'm never going to be that, so I quit. And we kind of turn, and you know, maybe he could be in the NBA right now, but he's not. He has to listen to me every week. And so we look at people like that. And we even look at people from the Bible like Peter or, or like David or like Moses or like Noah, uh, like Elijah, like Isaiah, like anybody like that. And we're like, well, I could never be as close to God as that. Like I could never have that much knowledge. And Peter, who had those same thoughts and is one of those people that we look at, even despite his problems sometimes, he's like, hey, they're just people. Isaiah and Moses and Noah and everybody, they're just people. They had God speak through them. They couldn't do it on their own. Moses even proved that over and over again. But, but he's like, hey, listen to their stories. Look at their example. Look at their times of doubt. Look at my times of doubt, Peter is saying. It is good to, to have uh, role models in the faith and role models in, in your chosen field or in your sport or whatever. And to think, I want to try to live up to that. That's good. But when we turn it into this mark of perfection, where it's like, man, if I don't reach that, I'm done. I honestly do that with myself. I by no means idolize myself because I don't like myself. But I have this, this uh, desire for perfection, which is such a dichotomy to my feelings of inadequacy. And it would take the next thousand years for me to try to explain how weird my mind works. But I, I have this, this idea of perfection that I need to reach. And when I mess up, I get really down on myself and I doubt myself and I hurt myself. Not like hurt myself, but I feel hurt myself. And so we do that sometimes with ourselves, but often with other people, even our parents, our pastors. Uh, I, I feel okay saying this, like any pastor that I've ever worked with, any pastor that I've ever listened to, they are not perfect. They do their best and they work hard and, and give their lives to Christ and they do amazing things, but they are absolutely not perfect and they will tell you that. Billy Graham, who I bring up a lot as, as just this amazing role model to shoot for, he's not perfect. C.S. Lewis, not perfect. Peter, obviously not perfect. Only Jesus is. And he said, love yourself and love each other and in your doubts, seek me. So if you have like this picture of what a Christian is supposed to be and you mess up or you have a doubt or something happens and you fall low of it, don't say, well, I'm done. Say, okay, I need to get up and I need to work and I need to work harder because in our lives, we do things like that. There is in sports, like you'll hear a lot 
where a team is really young and they're, they're really good, uh, you'll hear sportscasters, one of the cliches is, well, they haven't gone through it yet, so they're not going to win. Most often it's in the NBA or the NFL where, like, being too young, it's like, oh, they got to go. Uh, Lamar Jackson last year, like, when my Titans destroyed him, uh, the feeling was, oh, he's too young, like, he had to get feel this. And in, the, in a way, in sports, it's kind of dumb, but it's also kind of true because in our defeats, in our doubts, in our losses, we find our people, our teams, we find our way back, and we build from that, we grow from that. Uh, when you miss a question in school, when you uh, do poorly on an assignment, hopefully you look at that and you're like, okay, how can I learn this? Uh, when, when you're a baby, uh, you, you start by crawling. And then when you start walking, you're going to fall down sometimes. I've seen it. Uh, Beatrice falls down sometimes. Not as much anymore because she's getting it. But when she fell down the first time, I am sure that Amber didn't say, yeah, you're never going to walk. You can't even get it down. You've been trying for 20 hours. What are you doing, kid? You know, she helped her up. She kissed her knee, whatever. In your own life, your parents will tell you that. Have them get out all your pictures when your friends come over as soon as the quarantine is over and show like little baby pictures of you falling down. I'm, I guess that'd be kind of weird if that's all the pictures they had, but we'll get into that later. Um, but you fall down. When you first start talking... You don't make any sense. When you first start writing, you don't make any sense. And some people never grow out of that. When you first start reading, like you have a really hard time. I am trying very hard, and I mess with Terry all the time, uh, to learn Spanish on the Duolingo app, which is amazing. But don't join it yet. Join on my account. So, like, let me send an invite so that I can get Duolingo Plus. But it's still cool. And so I'm trying to learn Spanish. And I'm picking up a lot. But then I'll see someone speak in Spanish on TV or I'll uh, see like one of the advanced lessons and I'm like, I don't know anything. And so it's easy to doubt myself and be like, I'm never going to get it. And we do that in our faith. We have to keep learning, keep growing, looking at examples and then learning from their mistakes too, learning from their example, learning from how they live their life, reading the stories that we know so well, listening to sermon. Because if you have doubt and you're like, I'm, not, I'm just going to pull away from the church until I'm over this. Well, you're never going to be over it. It's just like if you have doubt in school or you miss, miss an answer in math class, and you're like, I'm just going to stop taking math until I get multiplication down. You're never going to get multiplication down because you just took yourself out of the only way to learn it. And so through church, through faith, through youth, through family, through prayer, through live stream, through all of these things, we can start down that path to seek answers. Because when you have doubts does not make you a bad Christian. It does not. It just gives you this chance, this amazing chance to start to find your way to an even stronger place, to an even stronger faith, and to help others who have gone through that. So maybe right now you're a, a, a strong, maybe one of the adults that is watching, like you're in such a good place, and you know you're not perfect, but you feel so strong in your faith. And you're kind of watching your teen or your kid watching this right now, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I hope that they can grow to be like me. I'm so proud of them right now. Don't be afraid to take a moment and talk to them and be like, hey, you know what, what Pastor Jeff said, have you ever felt like that? Or even just start out with, man, when I, when I went through this, I really, I had some doubts. And they'll be like, well, how'd you go through them? And then be honest. Talk, because that's how we learn when we are not ashamed of what we're feeling and we seek the answers. And Peter is such a wonderful example because that's what he went through. Uh, just to go back one more time before I wrap up. When he denied Jesus three times, that's his lowest point ever. His absolute lowest point, and he would tell you that. He literally, man, i got to stop using that word so much, even though I'm using it correctly. Uh, he, he said, I don't know him. 
He lied and he denied knowing the Savior that was dying for him. And that's a low. That's an awful thing. He could have then said, ah, I had doubts and he died and, and, you know, felt really bad. And he probably did feel really bad. And then when Jesus came back, he could have been like, oh, man. I knew that he'd come back, and I, but I had these doubts that I was so wrong. And when Jesus came to the boat, he could have ran away. And he could have spent his whole life running away. And he never would have written this. And he never would have done some of the things. Now, God's always going to work no matter what. But he has a special purpose for each of us. And so Peter spoke to those who had doubts. So to the heart. Understood it more than anyone else. Just like I do my best to speak to those who deal with depression and anxiety. Just like someone else speaks to those who have tragedy or who have addiction or who have loss. We all have something. And so don't be afraid to share those stories. Don't be afraid to ask those questions. Don't be afraid of doubt. But in that doubt, don't be stubborn. Don't give up. Look for the answers. Instead of saying, I'm done until I get it, say, okay, what do I go from here? Why do I have this? What do I believe? How do I believe? Who can I talk to? And do it. Do not give up. Because when you go through something, no matter what it is, People love you. The people around you right now, if you're alone, I do. People that you know, we love you. In the church, that's what we're built around. So talk. Read people like Peter. Read people like David who went through this. And then talk to people. And as I said, if you've gone through this, talk to people about what it was like to go through it so that they don't even have to ask. And just continue to share. Continue to grow. Continue to love. Continue to look to Him. Because I promise you, and Jesus said this, if you seek Him, it is a guarantee, an absolute guarantee that you will find Him. So do your best to always seek Him no matter what. And He will help you, whatever that path is, and it's different for everybody. He will help you to find Him. That's all I got.